calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast and we start this week with some really rubbish news and we're recording this just after we found out that David Bowie has passed away. I thought it was a hoax. I woke up this morning, saw it all on Twitter, and I assumed that someone, because Jeremy Corbyn's Twitter account got hacked yesterday, yeah. I assumed maybe someone had hacked David Bowie's account because that's the first place I saw I saw people retweeting it and I just thought instantly it was just like, no, that's not real. Yeah. But then... I actually thought it was a hoax as well yeah. because I forget who posted it first but it wasn't a very reliable source I think it was like joined together with a screenshot from an anime and I was like this doesn't seem like a real <laughs> well, thing his, his son was Duncan was one yeah. of the first people to confirm it and yeah. so once once that was up yeah yeah, my phone just got loads of texts at about 7 o'clock this morning so yeah very it's very crazy. sad news it's weird isn't it it's like I was talking to someone about it it's just like one of those people who I just I know it's stupid to say this but I just always assumed would be in existence because it's just like I don't know it's really hard to figure well, it's one of those things that kind of comes out of the blue as well. It's like uh, it's like when uh, Robin Williams died, and mm. that like that was came out of left field as well. I think I was like really surprised. It feels like the same kind of thing. It's just someone that you grew up with and has yeah. always been in your life, and then all of a sudden it's just like nope, they're gone. It's mm. Have you he released to his, his new album? album. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really good. It's very it's good. So, yeah, so yeah. good. It's crazy. You listen to it in a different way now, though. Listening yeah. to it based on what was going on in his life. It's, yeah. Pretty tough. Rubbish. But we thought we'd have a positive conversation yeah. about some of our favourite acting performances because as well as the music, he's been in a bunch of films yeah, over the last 30 years. Really good ones as well. Yeah, he, oh, you yeah. know, he didn't act that often, but when he did, it was always something really interesting. Really yeah. cool, yeah. Um, not always brilliant films, critically or commercially, but yeah. like there was always something going on. Yeah. Uh, so Gav, what is your first choice for a favourite performance? I'm going to have to start with Labyrinth because I think this is the first film, this is the first time I remember as a kid being even aware who David Bowie was. Like mm. my parents listened to him, um, but actually seeing him and just seeing this person and then as a kid seeing him in Labyrinth and seeing him in real life, like I was like, <laughs> oh my God, Jareth is real. Um, I really like that. And I think I grew, like those songs, me and my sister just absolutely rinsed that album. Um, as kids and yeah just w watch the film pretty much I'm not going to say every day but on a really regular basis it was one of the ones and when you're a kid you have like three films on rotation constantly and that was one of the films um, and I think yeah because of that he's just been such a massive part like afterwards obviously and being like oh he does good music as well so you can go from that because I think at the time I don't think a lot of people sort of rated uh, his performance in Labyrinth but I thought it was really good so you, as a kid. You you saw him as an actor before you heard his music. I guess so. I think so. I think that that's the first time as a like because I was quite young, so I remember yeah. being aware who David Bowie was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, can we talk about the cod piece? The what? The cod. The piece. cod piece. <laughs> it's pretty disturbing. <laughs> Maybe as a child. <laughs> mm. 
Um, yeah, I, I think it's good casting. Like mm. a Goblin King, there is something otherworldly about him yeah. that you can imagine him being from another dimension. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if this is true, but I think it is. Uh, he, um, I, I believe he doesn't have a great memory of making the movie, like literally. I think he was doing all sorts of things at the time and it's all a bit hazy. And so the music, I don't know about the forms, but I, I know the music he wasn't particularly happy with. Right. And so I believe that when they were making Shaun of the Dead, um, Edgar Wright tried oh, to get yeah. hold of um, when they're throwing records he tried mm. to get hold of the Labyrinth soundtrack as one of the records that they throw and yeah. smash mm-hmm. and uh, Bowie wouldn't license it because he doesn't license <laughs> anything from Labyrinth because he just wants it to go away or at least the soundtrack <laughs> really? and so for him it's just something that no one can really do anything with because he's just keeping it under lock and key <laughs> Um, That's really good. So I think they ended up doing Bat Dance, was it? Prince or something? But um, yeah, so I don't know if it was one of his (laughs) favourites, but certainly for uh, for generations of of kids. Yeah. uh, That film meant a great deal. Definitely, yeah. Have you ever been... um, Prince Charles do like a masquerade ball now and again, where you go along and you watch the film, but they have one of their actors uh, who... Like, it's one of... Well, it's not an actor. He just works at the cinema. But they have him dressed up as Jareth and do like an intro and stuff. (laughs) It's so good. If you can ever get along to one of those, the guy who does Jareth is really... They should get a baby in as well. Yeah. <laughs> and that scene's still amazing though, with the baby dancing and all yeah. the I, I just always whenever I watch it, I always think, what the hell's going through that baby's mind? <laughs> it must be amazing. A friend of mine went to uni with him. Uh, with the, with with the, the baby, baby yeah. Oh, really? He went, as he was growing up, obviously, yeah. He went to like Wimbledon Arts College or something like that. Apparently he was an absolute whopper. And like, <laughs> and, like just sort of like swanned in. Was just like, oh yeah, by the way, I was the baby in Labyrinth. <laughs> you like, would though, wouldn't you? Yeah, like, I would say that. I'd start every conversation with that. <laughs> how many girls did he hook up with just based off that? Oh, I hooked up with the baby off Labyrinth. <laughs> well, not as a baby. That seems, no, obviously not. That seems like one of the things you could just lie about as well. Yeah, yeah. You could just Actually, tell people, like, I, guys, did you know that I was a baby in Labyrinth? A couple of times in the states, like this, is, I used to tell people because, like, in LA and stuff, that I was um, the bassist in Franz Ferdinand. God. They used to work. <laughs> so yeah, I reckon you can get away with like That's I was, I was a baby now. in a labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you got a more serious you got let's go with your serious one I first. guess yeah, a little, little bit more serious. Um uh The Prestige, mm. where he played uh Nikola Tesla, which yeah. was really, really cool. I think like the first time he's introduced in the film and you just see him walking through the electric <laughs> field. I, the, what cooler entrance is there yeah. in the world than that? And I think it really says something if you have a character who's kind of introduced late in the film, who's maybe a side character, and by the time like, their part of the movie's done, you almost want an entire movie about that character. Yeah. Like, that really says something for the character and how it's played. I thought he was all right in The Prestige. I thought he, was, I thought he did well. I, no, but like, it, it really took me out of it. Like, it really took me out of The Prestige, because, like, of the world, as soon as Bowie's in it, well, just, I think, like, yeah. you can't help but just be drawn to him and, like, look well, at I him. Well, su- I had a very different experience, because I obviously watched it when I was young, and I didn't yeah. even realize until afterwards, and, like, my parents were like, yeah, David Bowie's in that. Yeah. It like, is good, though. And I think it says a lot as well, because, you know, his acting has been criticized a little bit from some corners, that someone mm. like Christopher Nolan wants him in his movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that says a lot. That, you know, you go through the list of, of movies he's made, there's some really big directors have yeah. cast him from Nick Rogue to um, mm. Martin Scorsese, yeah. Jim Henson even. Like, there's, you know, really smart, talented people see something in him and, and yeah. want him. Uh, I saw the thing on the internet today was like he's the best Bond villain we never had like apparently he was offered a Bond villain role oh that, that cool would have been good yeah villain. that would have been really good that's like really good Goblin yeah. King Bond villain uh, I'll do a weird one okay. um, actually I've got two weird ones which okay. weird one should I do first how about Merry Christmas Mr. Lawrence that's from uh, 1983 it's quite a weird film actually um, I think before then he'd been cast in kind of alien roles yeah literally and metaphorically whereas in this one he was playing like a, a, a kind of really British or, or New Zealand but like an army officer yeah and it was very stiff upper lip you know um just what you'd imagine uh, an officer of that is set in 1942 mm-hmm. okay to be and it's, he's really good in the role like it was mm. the first time we'd seen him do something that was totally opposite of what he was and where yeah. he came from and um, it's, it's sort of a uh, he's in a prisoner of war camp and it's this battle between him and this Japanese officer played by the brilliant uh, Takeshi Kitano have you ever seen Takeshi's Castle I have yeah. that guy <laughs> <laughs> who's an amazing actor when he's not doing that of course um, yeah. <laughs> it's actually really him it really is yeah yeah I, I thought, thought you were joking I thought you were being like racist <laughs> I know I have some serious stories about him but probably not right for this but I've met okay. him he's, he's mad um, and it's just really it's a really <laughs> sad like tragic 
uh, thought-provoking film about these two approaches to war and um, approaches to, to prisoners. And there's also kind of weird homosexual undertones to his relationship with the, with the Japanese officer. Mm. And it's just a really unusual film. And I think, I mean, the film's good. The actual best thing mm-hmm. about it is the music. I think you said... Yeah, like you- that's, that's where I know it from, is the the piano piece, Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, which I'm a huge fan of, and I used to be able to play on piano. Yeah. Uh, and everyone that I know is like, have you seen the film? Have you seen the film? So I think it's definitely worth checking out, especially if you're a fan of the music. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, I can't music, speak from it. <laughs> I listen to that music all the time when I'm so writing because it's such a lovely... It played in a lot of Japanese restaurants in the 80s, I remember as well. Really? I would not be surprised, yeah. It's You'd recognise it from restaurants. Um, but yeah, it was just interesting to see him act a serious role that was opposite to who he is and it would have been nice to maybe see him go more down that route I think he didn't I think he went went for the weirder roles again yeah. and I think he could have been a serious actor maybe if he'd wanted to but obviously he had yeah. he wanted to you know carry on with the music but um, yeah an interesting film yeah I would also have loved to see uh, David Bowie compete in Takeshi's Castle <laughs> I think that would have been fantastic to watch I think that's one of the only things he never managed to do with his career to be honest damn wow. it um, my other one is The Man Who Fell to Earth because uh, I remember watching this as a kid and I think maybe after watching Labyrinth going oh this will be good um, but not really understanding it till way way later but it's one of those things as you say like he was cast in a lot of alien roles and he does play an alien who comes to earth looking for water um, but it's, it's, I guess it's like perfect casting isn't it because that's exactly what you want from him and he, he is really really good in there you forget as well like Rip Torn is really used to be really really good before he kind of went off the rails and stuff mm. um, and he's such and him, both of them together, I think, work pretty well. Have you ever seen Cracked Actor? No, I haven't, actually. The documentary. Yeah, it's on yeah. YouTube. Okay. It's, it's really uh, weird and good. It's uh, Alan Yentob mm. following Bowie around on a, on a tour in America. Yeah. And it's when Bowie's at the height of kind of his heroin addiction. And yeah. he's, he's, he's paper thin and he's, he just looks, he's so pale. He looks really ill. And I can't remember if maybe Nick Rogue saw that and thought, that's my alien right, yeah. for this movie. But it's certainly around that era. Yeah. And mm. so he does look like something from another planet because he yeah. was at death's door really like yeah. it's amazing that he you know survived that period because I think it was pretty dark if you've you know yeah. I've, I've read I read books about his life and it was it was pretty messed up but yeah. it, it works for that character I mean you don't have to do makeup on him he's you know once you, he's got the, the bright red hair he's yeah. so pale he's so skinny he, he looks otherworldly yeah he does I think it's something about like his facial structure he's got like quite strong bone cheeks mm. and quite a thin face it just yeah. kind of lends itself to these like otherworldly characters it's just a bit unconventional and that's a film that's really stood the test of time as well yeah. like as a satire of the media like it, you could you know release it now and it would the message would be even stronger there's a really there's a nice really good couple of lines in the trailer as well that I just wrote down which is like uh, nothing you have seen or heard about David Bowie prepare you for his first dramatic performance and a really nice line which says one of the few true originals of our time about David Bowie which I thought was quite nice mm. Lovely. Definitely. I'll do mine first. Uh, yeah, Rory, because <laughs> Before we just... Well, yeah, cause also, because my one's a weird one. Okay. Um, Twin Peaks, Fire Walk With Me. Yeah. So, 1992, I actually only saw it when it came out, and it yeah. scared me so much, I've never been able to watch it again. Mm. But it just, for me, it felt like I, I wasn't a fan of Bowie's at the time. Yeah. Um, it was before I found his music, but... Looking back on it, what a brilliant meeting of minds, like yeah. David Lynch and David Bowie. Um, you know, a lot of actors have to up their weirdness factor to be in a David Lynch movie, whereas <laughs> Bowie has to tone it down it's almost. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a little more than a cameo, but he plays an FBI agent who's mm. been missing for a couple of years and shows up at their Philadelphia headquarters. And it's just weird. He comes storming in in a white suit and like a Hawaiian shirt and he delivers this speech in quite a dodgy American accent. But it's so <laughs> intense and then he's gone. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, the two Davids, uh, it's a shame they didn't do more stuff together because I, yeah. I think that was a, a good meeting of minds. And actually David Lynch is in the scene with him. Yeah. It's him and Karl McLaughlin. And um, yeah, it's just... Uh, it's a perfect cameo because he just does his bit and disappears and then yeah. you're like did that just happen yeah. or did I dream that <laughs> which is perfect for like a David Lynch thing as well because yeah. it's like well you feel so well, uneasy well the whole there. film is like a dream <laughs> yeah. so alright last one last one to round it off so you're going to pick Last Temptation of Christ aren't yeah. you obviously of course or yeah. when he played Andy Warhol in, in Basque Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah, was a, that was a close second yeah. yeah but I think what's going to take it is when David Bowie played David Bowie yeah. in Ricky Gervais Extras yeah I think that was definitely the peak of his career the number one performance I mean he really nailed it he really you know got the character down, down perfectly <laughs> 
Uh, it was so funny. It, it was really so funny. It's just the, the introduction to him, and it's kind of the whole show is about Ricky Gervais reaching this point of celebrity status where he's still kind of uncomfortable to be with the celebrities, but he still yeah. feels like he's above everyone else. And you have this moment where he meets David Bowie and finally David Bowie's really like welcoming and inviting him back to the thing and you're like okay it's all going going really nice and then David Bowie just starts right like improvising on the piano and writing this song about Ricky Gervais and really, how really hurtful really hurtful song yeah. but it's done so innocently he's yeah. just like it's like, hang on a second. And he starts playing this beautiful music, yeah. talking about uh, chubby Rick little fat man, <laughs> pathetic little loser, his pug nose face, and like all this stuff. And then it just escalates to the point where like the whole bar is all like singing along with David Bowie making yeah. fun of him. It's just, it was so funny. I've it's got a friend uh, who's in that scene. Oh really? really? Yeah, she's just behind him at the, at the piano singing. Awesome. <laughs> and she just said what an amazing day that was yeah. to sort of get to sing with David. But yeah. she's, a, she's a singer now. She's, she's right. actually quite successful but yeah just to sing with David Bowie that's awesome um, I think my favourite thing about it is it's really good but just the eye contact between David Bowie and Ricky Gervais as David, Ricky Gervais is like pouring his heart out and David Bowie's like looking at him sort of considering it and then even when he's playing he's just looking him in the eyes a couple of times and it's, it's really horrible it's yeah. really intimidating <laughs> yeah um, but, but it yeah. shows that he had a real sense of humour about himself because yeah. also another one I could have picked uh, is Zoolander mm. like his singing Zoolander is really he's really so good, funny yeah. uh, it is great. It just shows he's quite self-aware yeah. of like his own image. Yeah, well, I think he's been very good at keeping himself quite guarded and yeah. not being in the public eye too much. And so when he does stuff like that, it was really refreshing and yeah. really, it's yeah. really, it, it actually kind of had an impact, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But yeah, very sad news. But I mean, he'll live on not only through the music, but through some of these films as well. Definitely. Uh, so we've renamed our Rum and Bum sections in honor of him with Jarrah's Castle for the good section and the bog of eternal stench for the bad stuff which I thought was a reference to the entrance of our office I thought that was the bog of eternal stench <laughs> it's close close is, Second. is Jarrah's castle good isn't it like evil and bad it, it looks like, nice okay, <laughs> I've basically done this just so I can put the bog of eternal stench on okay there. I um, see what you've done there <laughs> excellent work <laughs> Rory you can't have good stuff the bog of eternal stench that doesn't quite work what's the first room in Jarrah's castle look like the first room in Jarrah's castle is filled with Saki and Japanese toys and ridiculously cute And why things. is that? Because uh, before Christmas, I got the chance uh, to go to Japan with Bandai Namco and go to a pre-Jump Fest uh, event and check out a lot of the games that they're going to be bringing west. And... It was one of the best trips of my life. It was incredible. Uh, I'm one of those so people. Because you were in Japan or because the stuff you've seen was good? Both. Come absolutely on. both. Like, it's been one of those things. Like, I'm one of those people that has always wanted to go and I've been trying to plan it my whole life and justify it. And yeah. just, I got to go with work. So it was just the best of both worlds. It was insane. What was, was the amazing. best thing you saw in Japan? God, every time I stepped outside the room, like my jaw just dropped. Be more like, specific. Well, well, well okay, if we want to be more specific. Uh, one of the coolest things that I saw was um, we like we were there four days, and I think three out of the four days we went to a place called the Akihabara District. Hmm. Oh, sorry, no, Akihabara District. Uh, and it's basically the district that's central for for all the otaku which is kind of like nerd culture right it's like films tv anime video games everything like that uh so you get like your all your dvds your movies your retro video games your figurines your uh, like essentially anything you want and because a lot of it is manufactured in china and japan it's all so cheap so i came back with just bags of toys and figurines and games and and everything it's insane like there was a retro video game store that was selling consoles like the Nintendo 64 with like all their cables and a controller and a game for like 12, 13 pounds. Shit. Unbelievable. It was crazy. So for someone like me to go to a district like that, it was insane. What was the coolest the, thing you bought? The coolest thing I bought, I got a, like a lot of cool things. One of the ones I was kind of constructing today during my lunch was mm. a The Legend mm. of Zelda Figma figurine. Oh, those are Because cool, they do yeah. just like the quality on them is like really insane. And you can like swap the face plates and change their their uh, accessories and things like that. But I'm not really into figurines, which is one of the things like I don't really buy them a lot. Yeah. But I got some other things. I got like an Amiibo. Uh, I got, oh my gosh, I got um, a stuffed cat from a game that you can get on your phone that everyone in Japan is obsessed with. Oh yeah, what's that called? It's called Neko Atsume. That's right, yeah. Which 
is which translate to cat collector. Brilliant. And you just feed cats and cats come to your, your garden. I'm very aware that uh, pretty much every time I come on the podcast, I end up talking about cats, about cats in, in some velocity. So I'm going to try and tone that down a it's little right. bit. Cats are good. But I got a great cat. Did you great do cat. any karaoke? I did do karaoke. <laughs> yeah, in the Shinjuku district. It was just as you would think. It's like a 11-story building with tiny soundproof rooms and we got to go on a really cool one that kind of had a big glass wall that looked over uh, the kind of square of the district. And it was, it was so strange. It was really otherworldly. You'd be going to the bathroom and you kind of peek in and in every room was just packed with like Japanese businessmen, like all wearing suits, singing their heart outs and just like downing beer, like so happy. And I like the karaoke is amazing because they have obviously all the English songs and okay. everything from over here. But they don't have the rights to the music video. So they have to shoot their own music videos, which is just like as ludicrous as you could imagine. It would be awful dubs, just like like videos of people smiling and families around kitchen tables when they're singing about partying and things. It's like so disjointed and strange. Did you do any work? I did. Okay. I did do a lot of work, which we're going to get onto a little bit later. I'm going to be talking about Are some we? of the coolest games that's going to be coming to the West. But I had a blast. I had an amazing time. Why have we split those two sections up? I have no idea. Because I thought, like, it's fun <laughs> to talk about all like, the cool stuff, all the crazy stuff. And then and then later, we'll do the business. Like, I'm, I'm a mullet kind of guy. Okay, so <laughs> party, apolog- party in the back and business in the front. Well, apologies, listeners, if at the start of that conversation, you thought we would lead into Rory talking about... You know what? Let's just change it then. All right, fine. Fine. All right. Look, I'm changing the agenda. Time to talk about Namco's best titles heading west. Fine. If you want to just throw throw the book away and the timetables and everything. You're like leaving people on a cliffhanger. <laughs> that was the point. And then they won't tune out. They'll have to come back later. And... All right. Yeah. Okay. So some of the best games that they're going to be bringing west. Now, uh, we got to go to Bandai Namco's headquarters yeah. and actually go hands on and interview some of the developers on the games. So one of the coolest ones was Sword Art Online Hollow Realization. Now that's a game, I know, the, the, the titles are a little bit crazy. What's wrong with them? them? Like they bring these Japanese games to the West and they give them these dog shit titles. Well, that, well it's it called Sword Art. And no one's ever going to buy them. <laughs> it's called Sword Art Online, right. which is the anime that it's based on. Okay. And then, so the game is just called Hollow Realization. But I still okay. feel a certain amount of skepticism in your eyes. Yeah. All right, well, I'll just go on anyway. Uh, it's based on the anime where uh, players are they kind of like plugged into an MMO uh, and then it turns out the guy who created it removed the logout button so they're all kind of stuck in there. Right. So you're playing as characters. It's weird. You play as a character inside of an MMO. Right. So it, it's really cool in that sense. I played a lot of uh, Lost Song which was the previous one where you could fly about and explore the world and it was really cool but this one is back on the ground so right. there's a lot more detail and the graphics are better and there's a lot more emphasis on boss battles and teamwork. Uh, your main character is totally customizable so it's like boy, girl, like height, size, fatness, anything, which is cool because in other titles it's just been, you know, you play as like one character. Right. Uh, so that was definitely the first one that I really, really enjoyed. What's the next one? <laughs> like, I'm lost in this, so I can't imagine what you're thinking of these I think, games. Well, I'll, I'll, this is a good one, actually, because you can both talk about this one. Okay. It's not going to sound like it when I read the name, but uh, Digimon... Get <laughs> <laughs> up. <laughs> Digimon Story as Cyber Sleuth. So this is essentially, you both know Pokemon. Yes. So imagine if like Pokemon were robots with guns. I know what Digimon is. Okay, well he doesn't. All right, okay. I, I vaguely do. Yeah. Okay, well, well it's, a, it's a similar sort of, similar sort of thing. Uh, the game's coming west on February 5th, and it feels a lot like a Pokemon game, so you can right. like wander around and like, uh, you know, be like roaming around the map, and then all of a sudden you bump into like three Digimon. And you have to like battle them and train yeah. them up, which is pretty cool. And there's an app also that's releasing around the same time that's similar to Hearthstone. Okay. So it's like on your phone, but you're like doing the battles through cards, like right. card-based combat. That's another one of the big ones they're bringing. Uh, they're bringing a lot of fighting titles, which I won't go into too much detail with, but games like uh, Tekken 7, uh, One Piece Burning Blood, Ultimate Ninja Storm 4, and it's like they just do these games so well. Like yeah. the characters are all so balanced. They're so different, but they all can like like uh, counter each other really, really well, like fast-paced, beautiful graphics. It all looks really great. Uh there was a new trailer for Naruto, which looks really cool. All of this has been covered on the site, so if you want to find out more, you can go to IGN.com and uh, check out all the latest information on the game. But it's really cool to see a company like Bandai Namco taking the incentive to bring these games west, because mm. there is a demand for it. Yep. And a lot of the time, like I know a lot of people that, that struggle when they hear about all these great games coming out in Japan. Yeah. 
and they just they just never make it over here. And they said partially it's because of public demand, like uh, polls online and people doing what do you call those like the forms you all petitions petitions yeah, yeah, yeah petitions essentially to you know be get the games brought yeah. over here and it seems like it's it's actually working and it's actually happening so it's great to see these games over here for fans of the shows and animes like myself and yeah i i really enjoyed pretty much every title i got my hands on that's good thank you thank you gavin I'm looking forward to seeing more of those titles when they make their way west. So am I. Um, <laughs> I saw The Big Short last week, um, which is Adam McKay's new film. So Adam McKay made uh, Anchorman, Step Brothers, and my favorite episode of Eastbound and Down. Um, but he's like a comedy director and writer, and he's made a film about the 2007 uh, housing bubble collapse with an amazing cast. You've got Christian Bale, Ryan Gosling, Steve Carell, Rafe Spall, isn't it? And he does, he's really, really good. But the thing that I really like about it, and it's a, it's a really hard sell, it's written, the, the, the book is written by the same guy who wrote um, Moneyball and the Blind Side. And that guy is a really, really good writer. Like I read Moneyball and Blind Side. And he's, he's really good at taking this like, these weird, uh, like really intricate situations and making them like making you be able to understand them and the film does a perfect job of that as well like Adam McKay is such a smart guy and there's bits in it where they're trying to explain like the 2007 like housing bubble collapse that happened and I can't, I'm not going to even try and explain it because the film does such a good job of it but there's bits where it's like just at the point where they're, they're talking and just to the point where you're lost you're like oh I don't kind of understand what's going on he does these he does these couple of scenes that explain it perfectly um, and I won't spoil what they are but it's just so smart like it's one of the smartest films I've seen in a while but it makes you feel really smart as well because you think oh I actually understand something and he's making me understand it through these like cool little funny scenes and it's, it's really really funny as well it's quite a serious topic to write a comedy about it's a really well. <laughs> really serious topic and like some bits are really really sad but I think some people are doing really, really good like comedy performances. And yeah. like Steve Carell is really funny without being like Steve Carell, the comedian. Mm. He's doing like a Steve Carell serious role, but still managing to be funny. Um, and Christian Bale is just fantastic in it. Like he's the funniest I've ever seen Christian Bale. Again, without trying to be funny. Yeah. Um, it's just really, really good. It's already come out in the States, hasn't it? It has, yeah. It's been out for a while there. Um, we didn't get it till late, unfortunately, because it, it was on a lot of people's yeah. um, uh, best of 2015 lists, uh, but we hadn't managed to see it. Better or worse than Steve Jobs? Better. Better. Yeah. I've seen people comparing the two. Yeah. I mean, I can see the comparisons, but I think just because it's a lot of fun uh, and yeah, no, it's, def it's definitely better. There's, 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 a lot, there's a lot more to it. Um, and yeah, just seeing Chris. Christian Bale doesn't interact with any of the other guys. Um, so right. he's, he's very much like by himself on like, like there's like two different storylines going on. Yeah. Um, but he's really, really good. And as I said, like, Rafe Spall has some of the funniest moments of the film as well, which is really, really good. But yeah, that's coming out soon. But what you should do before that comes out is check out Adam McKay's uh, new podcast called Surprisingly Awesome. And it's a really cool podcast that he's doing with Gimlet Media, which is him and another guy uh, who used to work for Planet Money. Like, taking... Uh, quite short. They're sort of, like, 30 minutes long. And they're taking, like, boring subjects and finding the cool bit out of them like okay. there's a couple of really really good episodes the best one that I think people should start listening to if they haven't listened to it is um, episode 2 which is all about uh, basketball free throws uh, and it's it's really really fun. It's like it looks at like the almost like the science and like the psychology of mm. like free throws. But it's it's a really really good podcast as well. But, but free th free throws are already cool. <laughs> so yeah. you don't have to search too hard for that. Now you said free throws and you said three throws. Three throws. What are you? What are you? Which one are you saying? Free throws. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it's, like, it's about the idea, basically, that like <laughs> free throws is like the great leveler in sports. Like no matter who you are, everyone is on the same level. Everyone is on the same level when they step up to that line. Um, yeah. But it's it's really really good. Uh, but cool. the fil the film is fantastic as well, and like Christian Bale should win all the awards, I believe. Well, he's not winning any. He's not winning any awards. But um, he should. Yeah. But it is that time of year, actually, being yeah. January. Uh, in a weird way, we're getting sort of the summer blockbusters before the states are now, a week mm. or two. But when it comes to the Oscar movies, we get them after, so they yeah. tend to come out in America in November and December, and in the UK in January and February. Yeah. I think partly so that once the nomination Oscar nominations are out, they get more of a publicity in the UK so they've got yeah. more chance of uh, plus uh, Christmas is a time when a lot of Americans go to the cinema but not as many British people do yeah so they, they we're getting a lot of good award ones at the moment uh, I think at the weekend you went and saw one didn't you did indeed me and Krupa went to see The Hateful Eight which you'd already seen uh, and yeah. we're keeping stum about because you're good at doing that um, but 
Yeah, it's just brilliant. We went and saw like the 70 millimeter presentation. It really felt like an event. Mm. Um, oh, I'm like, so bummed I missed this. Mostly because uh, loads of people pre-ordered their tickets and they never bothered to pick them up. So outside the Odeon Leicester Square was this giant queue that went all the way, like both sides, all the way around. Luckily, I'd picked them up earlier so we could just walk straight in. Um, but it's just fantastic. Like it starts with like, you know, the overture, which gives you this like massive sort of preview of the score and the score is fantastic. Just won a Golden Globe as well. Yeah. Um, but the opening scene, uh, no, it's like for me, one of Quentin Tarantino's best scenes and there's no dialogue in it. Mm. Uh, it's just a really, really long scene with this amazing score. Uh, what do you think of the film? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. I it was terrific. The only thing I've, I've really heard about it so far is I've heard a number of people say, I wouldn't recommend it to my friends who aren't Tarantino fans. I would. Really? I'd recommend it more, if anything. Because like, I think, I, think I, I, I haven't got a chance yeah, to see yeah. it yet. I really think I'd love it because I do love his films. Mm. But I've heard it can be a bit much for yeah, people I could, who, see, I could see that. If you don't like the hardcore violence he uses yeah. or mm. the use of the N-word. And there's certain things it's taken to quite extremes in this one. Yeah. <laughs> like KMB do the effects and they did the effects on Walking Dead. And yeah. There's some pretty good effects in this oh, movie. God. Yeah, it's just it's like it's snow as well, which is the perfect thing to splatter blood all over. Like, yeah, well, he, when I spoke to him, he talked about the uh, snow westerns that inspired it. This sub 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 genre yeah. that he uh, westerns. You can go on the site and, and hear him talking about his recommendations. The blood feels really sticky in it. Like it feels like like I don't know. This is a really weird thing to say, Ugh. but like it feels like it feels when they're like touching each other, it feels like really sticky and like horrible and gory. I just worry about uh, people being able to see the film because I believe that was the only seventy millimeter version of it in the UK, wasn't it? Or the, I think so. I think a lot so, of places thought they were going to be able to do it, yeah, and then actually realised that the projectors weren't able to do it in the end. So unless you lived in London or could travel to London, a lot yeah. of our listeners wouldn't be able to go and see it in the way it's supposed to be seen, which yeah. seems. A real shame. And then obviously there was the problem with Cineworld. Uh, you probably wait for this, but... I did um, see it. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, Cineworld cinemas weren't showing it. And so... Why is that? Um, I didn't see this. Oh, because uh, it was complicated. But because Leicester Square was the only cinema where they were having it in that 70 million presentation and right. Cineworld wanted to do it at the picture house that they own okay. uh, in London. And, and, and I think the studio said only they would only do it at Leicester Square Cineworld said alright well we're not going to screen it oh. and so it was kind of a bit of a standoff and yeah. I, I don't know if it, it changed over the weekend but as far as I know you couldn't see it in the Cineworld so that or Picture House hugely then. reduced yeah so that hugely reduces the amount of people that could see it and, and I, you know I, w I want that film to be a success yeah you know so that he, he's, he's really hit you know his films never made a huge amount of money and then no. the last two have made a fortune mm -hmm. and I want that to continue so he can do whatever he wants and yeah. I still think he probably can but and it's been a hit in the States but still it's um, just enough people getting to see it where it sh how it should be seen on the big big screen yeah were you surprised it didn't do better the Golden Globes um, like pick up anything else? Yes and no. Uh, it's it's pretty tough sell. I think he got he's gotten a lot of award. You know, maybe it's too close to Django as well in yeah. terms of it being another period western. Yeah, he got all the awards for that one. Maybe yeah. they weren't going to do it twice for him mm -hmm. in the same genre. Mm. Um, and maybe Django's a better script. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Yeah. Uh, but um, good accompaniment to each other as well. Both films. Very think, much so, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I only watched Django again a couple of months ago, and it yeah. they, they are, they are What good. if you could watch them like back to back? Well, it started out he was writing a Django book. Mm. Uh, he ah. wanted to write a series of like novellas about Django, and he started writing this story with Django as the as the main character. And then he he his his thinking was that Django has this moral compass, and he doesn't want the characters in Hateful Eight to have that. They've all got to have something shady about them, mm -hmm. and so it was a square peg in a round hole. So he just got him rid of him, and I guess Samuel. Jackson Jackson is the the character that sort of he was yeah he became but um yeah good film and also Creed is out this week as well yeah. uh which you know it's taken a while to get to the UK but that's it terrific ages. yeah that's we, terrific as well we talked a bit about that last week but how much you like it. and then Sylvester Stallone just won Golden Globe as well for yeah his supporting like, actor right um, yeah it's crazy lovely stuff he's brilliant in it as well um, yeah, he's amazing. But yeah, it's a fantastic film. But I had a really good sort of Western weekend as well because I'd never seen Deadwood. And mm -hmm. after coming out with Hateful Eight, my girlfriend and I were like, oh, let's let's carry on this Western vibe. And uh, someone was talking about Deadwood on Twitter. So I started I, like started watching it. And then as we were watching it, pretty much, I looked on Twitter again in, in a break of a couple of episodes and they announced they're making a movie of it, which they always said they were going to do. Um, two movies, I think they promised to do because it kind of ended abruptly. 
the series because it was cancelled on HBO. Um, but I've started watching that and having not known that much about it, like I think I, I watched a couple of episodes while I was at uni. It's really good. Like it feels like a proper old school like HBO show, like really talky, really intricate. Mm. Um, I'm watching that like like pretty much side by side with The Wire as well. Uh, and it's, uh, it's it's really good. Tim, Timothy Oliphant does like quite a different thing with this performance, I thought, because usually he plays... Like even though I really like Justified, it feels like he's always playing that kind of like straight role. But yeah, he's kind of like a hothead, and you feel like there's lots more coming with him. So I can't really say what I want from a Deadwood movie, but at the moment I'm really enjoying the show. So two movies, two movies, and but, theatrical movies or TV movies. Well, they always said they would make two theatrical movies, mm-hmm. but they're making what? They, one has been announced, basically. Right. Okay. Doing, yeah. That's a safe way to do it. Yeah, because the big news with Deadwood was the fact that it was Ian McShane. Yeah. Playing a serious role, and now he's you know he's done a lot of that since. But before yeah. then, it was just like what's Lovejoy doing in this American thing and then you're watching like wow yeah he's really good no one really knew he had that in him and there's I guess there's a lot of actors from that show now that have done gone on to good things since yeah loads um, in the in the first couple of episodes Nick Offerman's in it um, which uh, like uh, you kind of don't recognise who he is and then you go oh right and then he gets his cock out so if you want to see Nick Offerman's penis get there, on there, Deadwood there's definitely a Deadwood pun there does anyone know? No yeah. one's going to take that? Oh, that's good. Right? Yeah. No one's going to... Right, well, you we'll should have just... just done it rather than... <laughs> yeah. I was waiting. I'd be like, I'd say something like, oh, dad would. And they'd be like, oh, Rory. Oh, Rory. Crass or something. Okay, so we're not going to talk about Bandai Namco's best tiles head to the West. No, you because put that the schedule's thing. gone to garbage, apparently. So. Let's move on to the Bog of Eternal Stench then. <laughs> uh, also known as the Golden Globes. And uh, I think... I was, are you really that upset over the Golden Globes? Nah. <laughs> but something's got to go in there, isn't it? Um, I guess so, yeah. But I think the the one thing that I, I was kind of... I guess I never get upset about award stuff, but I, I would have liked uh, Wagner Mora from Narcos to get a little bit more because I just thought he was really good. It's the guy who played... Um, oh, God. It's a guy who was the main guy from. What's the character? What are you talking about? Pablo Escobar. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was beaten to best performance by an actor in a television series drama by John Hamm. And I do love Mad Men, but it kind of feels like that was like a token gift to. John Gee, I thought he was really good. He is really good. He was good. really good in that final series. But it kind of feels like something they're just sort of going, oh, we better give that to him. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I won't have anything said against that. I thought that that series was really great. Yeah, and really he, he anchored it really well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like some of the other stuff that came on, like I, I haven't seen Mozart in the Jungle, so that was a big shot for me, but you have seen it. You said it was pretty good. Yeah, but I wouldn't give it an award. Over Veep. I really enjoyed... Uh, the show I like Gar Garcia Bernal so mm. I tuned in I'm, I'm not a big Malcolm McDowell fan but he's quite funny in it yeah and it's kind of like Entourage but set in the world of classical music in New York so yeah. it's young <laughs> kind of cool it's young sexy people like screwing and partying and, and powdered they, wigs everywhere yeah they're, they're, but they happen night. during the day they're you know they're great uh, musicians but yeah. um and 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 Gael Garcia Bernal plays this very eccentric Mexican guy that comes to replace Malcolm McDowell as the as the head of the orchestra, and it's kind of the clash between them two. But yeah, it's really good fun. But it's not that laugh out loud funny. Right. Yeah. And nothing amazing. It's something that you can have on. It's a very nice, easy watch. But okay. it's certainly not as funny as Veep. Yeah. Is the music um, good? The music's lovely, yeah. The okay. music's lovely. That's uh, the thing. I, I have all those. So we've got Casual, which I haven't seen, Mozart in the Jungle, Orange is the New Black, Silicon Valley, Transparent, and Veep. Out of all that, I would have thought Veep would have walked that. Mm, I think uh, Silicon Valley, I think, is very good as well. Silicon Valley is really, really good, yeah. But um, I mean, not, not the strongest year for comedy, really, I don't think, though. No. no. It's the same with the, the movies as well. Another big, sh- another big shot was Wolf Hall beating Fargo. I thought Fargo would have definitely walked that as well. Um, Americans love the British drama, don't they? Yeah. You're Downton and you will fall. Yeah. But Fargo was my favourite TV show of last year, so as we've spoken about on here. So, yeah, that's that's a shame. And also, I think Patrick Wilson was really good. Obviously, yeah, he was he in was that really acting category as well. But, yeah. Um, yeah, Fargo should have won everything. Yeah, and unfortunately, See You Again from Furious 7, beaten out by Writings on the Wall by Spectre. What's going on there? Um... <laughs> Also, your Spectre song didn't even get a look in. Oh, this, oh, this, this, my Spectre this year, song. man. This year. By the way, can, you know that you put some a video over the top of the Spectre song? Yeah. What, the trailer, basically? Yeah. Can we just separate that and put it on the site? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. It's a good song. 
It's a it's really, a really good song. song. I hate Sam Smith I as well. Say, I hate it. I was like, Whoa. <laughs> no. I hate Sam Smith. He's got such an annoying voice. Don't hate him. Man. I do. Uh, the Martian, best comedy. Yeah. That's, comedy or musical. It's pretty funny in some bits, but, but I wouldn't call it comedy. There's music in it. Yeah. That's such a, it's such a, it's such a weird category, though. Yeah. Best comedy or musical. It's really... Because they're not even close. Why don't they have it? a best horror section, yeah. you know? If you're going to uh, do that. Um... Stallone, we said one for Creed. I think that was a bit of a su- surprise because a lot of people thought Mark Rylance was going to win for Bridge of Spies, but um, that's, a, that's a really close category. That is. no one's going to hold that against him. No. Uh, so uh, Jobs beat The Big Short for best screenplay. <sighs> Maybe you disagree with that. Then it's a really good screenplay. Like I think, it's, I think it's brilliant. I mean, so again. No, nah, I don't disagree. I think on like you know they're on level sort of pegins. I think, and I think we've said before, like you know, as a biopic, it's you know one of the it's up there with one of the best. I think. Yeah. So I've got no I don't know qualms with that really. What I do have a qualms with is Jennifer Lawrence winning for Joy. Yeah. Like that's one of the first stinkers of the year. I think. <laughs> um, I watched it last weekend and sort of sat in the cinema, kind of just tr- I was so bored. I was just looking around, seeing if anybody else was enjoying it. Um, people seem to be really liking it. I yeah. just look around going, on my, does anyone else think this is bullshit? So do you think Minister McCarthy should have beaten her for spy? No, who, who else? Up against? No, who else? <laughs> got his own. Amy Schumer, Maggie Smith and Lily Tomlin. I'd have given it to Maggie Smith, you know? I don't know why they even bother anymore having a category. They should just give it to Jennifer Lawrence every year, yeah. shouldn't they? She's, like, she's all right in it, but it's a terrible film. I'm really like, glad Brie Larson stinker. won for Room, though. I haven't seen that yet. I'm really looking forward to it. That's the best performance I saw. Yeah. Uh, it's not out in the UK yet, but it's a fantastic film. Yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, that. Do you mention Mr. Robot winning, didn't you? No, I didn't. So Mr. Robot beat Narcos. <laughs> yeah. I thought that's what you were supposed to be talking about. I really, really want to watch that show, but because it's oh, no, I was talking about Prime, it's so difficult him. to get hands-on. I saw two episodes because... It's on Amazon on my... Prime, yeah. Yeah, but I don't have Amazon Prime. Oh. That is my problem. I saw two episodes though on the on my flight to Japan, yeah. and I was like, I loved it. But it, you know, that's the problem with flights; they'll have like two episodes of a season, and that's yeah, it. And teasing. then you're like, why wouldn't you just have a whole thing? And Christian Slater won, right? Yeah, so, I mean, happy to see Christian Slater winning for Mister Robot, and, yeah. and also Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac winning for Show Me Your Hero, yeah. because uh, actually, I'm more surprised about Christian Slater. I thought he was good in Mister Robot without being amazing. Yeah. Who else was he up against? Um, well, Ben Mendelsohn for. Um, Bloodline, Damien oh, Lewis for Wolf that. Hall, and coming in the Good Wife, whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the one that really surprised me though was Lady Gaga winning Best Actress <laughs> for American Horror Story. I haven't seen it, so I, I don't know really. I what was, you were what was she up against? No. I did not. Um, you telling the truth. She was up against Kirsten Dunst, who was oh, brilliant in Fargo. Really good. Uh, Sarah Hay, Felicity Huffman, and Queen Latifah. But um. Yeah, I guess I, we can't really speak to that because none no. of us have watched that American Horror Story. But I just found that hard to believe that she's that good. But maybe she is. Yeah. And to be fair, the thing—the good thing about like that category is, or a lot of this stuff as well is, it's, a lot of it is like self-contained stuff, which I really like now. Like yeah. you can actually go and watch that American Horror Story series without really having seen the other stuff. Yeah. Um, and I guess in kind of the same way with Fargo as well. Yeah, I think you'd probably miss out on some little bits. No, but, I think with know. Fargo because I, I I watched season two with my dad. Yeah, without um, him seeing season one. No, I've got season one now. I yeah. think it's a really good way of watching it because he'll know the the two characters that are in both. Yeah, uh, but no, none none of the other characters really are. And I think yeah. it, and it, and it's in the chronological order. Then yeah. I just think that's interesting. Yeah. So season two's before season one. Yeah. yeah. So if I hypothetically had not seen Fargo and was going to watch it, it, it doesn't matter. It okay. really doesn't matter. I mean, I think season two is better than season one. So maybe start with the one that's not quite as good. Mm. Okay. Uh, but it's not going to affect your enjoyment. It's no. just it just there's a couple of characters that, that cross over, but they're yeah. such different ages that it doesn't really. Yeah. The pl- the storyline doesn't. Okay. Cool. It is really good. Right. Brilliant. Oh, we got some feedback, Rory. This ridiculously sized paper. (laughs) (laughs) Like we're children. Uh, This is from Rob Porter. Okay. Titled Punisher. Uh, Rob writes, with Disney owning Marvel, do you think we'll ever see a new Punisher movie? I mean, a proper 18 certificate, not a family-friendly movie like the Terminator franchise has been doing as of late. I don't see why not. He's going to be in, like, Daredevil, so I guess setting up there. And that's pretty grim. Daredevil's a pretty, pretty... Well, what, what, does that have a rating? Do Netflix shows have ratings? I don't know, actually. But I hmm. guess mature. Yeah, um, right. Well, that's a very mature show. So yeah. if it's following along that, that 
sort of honestly we're not I guess the only thing that's going to hold it back is it's the fact that it's going to be a TV version as well and are they going to do the same are they going to do the thing where you know the like DC do with the TV there's going to be yeah. a TV universe and a movie universe well no they they, they, they acknowledge each other yeah. both universes so that it's the same world it's mm-hmm. whether or not they want to cross the streams and, yeah. and use the television characters on the cinema screen unfortunately I think the best place for it to have all happened would have been Civil War but they hadn't got Netflix up and running yeah. in time to really make that a valid part of it and so yeah. For now, I think they're going to stay separate, but, you know, they've cast it really well. And I find it hard to believe that down the line we won't get a Daredevil movie and then a Punisher movie to follow. Mm -hmm. Um, And we were talking about, or maybe I haven't been talking about it, I've been thinking about it. I think we're going to see more team-up movies as well. Mm. We'll see how Batman v Superman does, but we might see a Daredevil-Punisher movie because that's kind of the appeal now, having having a couple of characters together. You know, Ant-Man and Wasp is is going to be the next one. It's It's just an easy bank really just certified like you know if we've, we've everyone has their individual movies yeah, yeah. start pairing them up and, yeah, and you know, I think you've got both audiences now like coming and you cannot yeah you can also pair like you know a big character with a character that and introduce them that way as well yeah. like some of my like favorite Hulk and Ant-Man yeah some of my like, <laughs> favorite team ups in comics is uh, Wolverine and Punisher because they work really well together because the Punisher is all about sort of like ultra violence and anything he does to Wolverine Wolverine can regenerate so you get a lot of like really good back and forth with that where they have arguments Punisher will blow his face off yeah, and then it'll come back. <laughs> well, Captain like, Winter Soldier was was that it was Captain yeah. America and Black Widow. It was a, mm. a bigger character with a smaller character. I mean, they just didn't put her in the title. But yeah, that's that was true, a team actually. up movie. Yeah, yeah, they were so doing everything together. I wouldn't be surprised, but I guess it all depends on how how this next series of Daredevil goes. Yeah. Well, Punisher, it seems like like every time it's introduced, whether it's like a movie or a game, like the Punisher games, they're they're brutal. They're like gross, pretty brutal. Yeah. Which which was strange at the time for me growing up because you you see Punisher and you're like oh it's a character from the comics I play a lot of comic book games and then I was like went to check it out in the store one day and it's like I can't buy this I'm not old enough to buy this Punisher game so yeah. I think it's quite nice that they're staying true to the that sounds ridiculous I realize that but uh, it's nice that they're staying true to like the source material and they're not kind of you know glossing over it yeah so hopefully they they don't nice agreed okay, I have an email from Will Rimmer okay who says Duck Hunt hello there chaps after the great 2015 year of horror films such as Houseband and It Follows I was wondering what you were most excited about for 2016 I still get nice tweets from people thanking me for recommending Housebound really people are still discovering that movie yeah that's good so if you like that Deathgasm is the next one you should watch okay. again a Kiwi horror comedy such a good um, title Will says uh, they had to change the title in America for Walmart they didn't even tell Jason who made it. I can't remember what they've called it. They've given it like a horror title. Yeah. But they were just obviously frightened of Deathgasm. Deathgasm but the first is thing he heard of it was someone photographed it in Walmart and sent him a picture. He was like, oh. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> he was fine with that. He said, like, look, horror movies in the 80s used to change yeah, titles yeah, all yeah. the time just yeah. trying to sell. Um, like uh, Dead Alive. Okay. Peter Jackson. Yeah. That's, what's that called? It's called something else in England and it's called Dead Alive in America. Ah, oh, my mind's gone blank. I hate yeah. myself. Anyway, uh, Will says, I have five horror films I'm looking forward to. So these are his most wanted horror films. Number five, The Forest. That's got Natalie Dormer in. Oh, yeah. yeah. <gasps> I, like I don't her. fancy that. If we want her in the office, we can get her in the office, you know. Let's talk about that. Okay. For The Forest. Uh, <laughs> number four, Rings, which is a new ring movie. Is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, American or Japanese? American. Okay. I think it's American. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. it's American. I'm happy with that. Number three, The Conjuring 2. I like The Conjuring. James okay. Wan back, set in England in Enfield. Ooh. Uh, number two, A Monster Calls. Don't know what that is. Based on a best-selling children's book. I think Liam Neeson's <gasps> in it. I saw the trailer for that. It looks really mm, good. The trailer's good. I've got the book, actually. <laughs> I didn't know it was horror. I thought it was kind of like fantasy. Yeah, it's, horror, well, it's yeah. kids' horror. I thought you were ah, having like cool. childhood flashbacks or something there. As soon as mm. explained it, you were like... <gasps> Yeah. I've got the book though, so I'll read Terrifying that and, and, and report back. But it, yeah. it's really beloved, and mm. it looks it looks like a great movie. So is it is it for kids or is this? Yeah, an, it is. Oh, okay, it is. But I think it's going to be quite heavy. Awesome. Got a lot of, you know, for a bit uh, for both. And then mm-hmm. number one, The Witch, which we've talked about a lot. Yeah, Finchy, Finchy's horror movie. Finchy. What's his name? Ralph Ralph Ellison. Yeah. Ellison. Well, he must be able to enjoy that movie when he's in it. I don't think I could. I don't think I could. But I've um, take it seriously. What? funny that Will should write in I've, I've just written uh, 13 12 original horror films to look forward to awesome. in 2016 so rather than having sequels nice because there's so many sequels and remakes I've done a bunch of um, yeah, original stuff so I'll just read out some of them but okay. look out for these in 2016 Baskin that's a mad Turkish film that is mad and horrible um, <laughs> why do we want to watch it because it's it'll imprint <laughs> on your brain the last half hour is so messed up 
Um, uh, February's coming out. Now, that is Emma Roberts and the the, uh, the girl that plays Little Draper in um, Mad Men. Oh, okay, cool. And that is messed up as well. It's very, yeah. very dark. Uh, they're two actors I don't particularly like, but man, they, they deliver on this film. Uh, 31 is Ralph uh, Ralph um, Rob, Rob Zombie's <laughs> Ralph Zombie <laughs> Ralph Zombie his cousin yeah. <laughs> just carry on the zombie lineage uh, 31 is Carney's V Clowns okay and it's just been hit with the NC-17 rating in the States so it's messed up uh, Devil's Candy's really good that is a really good kind of heavy metal uh, horror movie uh, about kind of satanic possession and a haunted house and yeah really good fun yeah that one's playing at Glasgow Fright Fest as is Baskin um, The Mind's Eye which is also playing at Glasgow Fright Fest that's like a John Carpenter style movie about uh, telekinetic powers a bit like Scanners or yeah. Fury I'm sold uh, The Boy is one I'm really excited about I'll tell you the setup for this one um <laughs> Pretty girl from Walking Dead. I can't remember her name. Is it the blonde one? Yeah. Okay. I don't remember any of this. She is a nanny and she goes, I think, to England to work in a big old gothic mansion. And so the, this old couple say, we want you to look after our son. And they tell them all about the son. And she says, okay. Is and then, he the boy? Uh, yeah, but he's a life-size dummy. And she thinks it's a joke, but it isn't. Oh. And she's getting paid loads of money to look after this dummy. But there's a bunch of rules, kind of like Gremlins, that she has to follow. Yeah. And she doesn't because it's just a dummy. So she's like, when they're not in, she doesn't feed it or whatever. And then, yeah. <gasps> that sounds really that good. That sounds really scary. It, I mean, silly, but it looked like a hammer horror, to be honest, yeah. Yeah. which is great. Um, oh, I don't like that. It's like a really good sense of foreboding already, where she's just like, I'm not going to do yeah. that. It's like, please do it. <laughs> yeah, you see her like walking yeah. around, she's eating and she's not giving any food to this dummy. Because why would you? <laughs> what is it, like a, like a mannequin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, almost, oh. like, it looks like, almost like a ventriloquist dummy, kind of like. Oh, Those are always creepy. Uh, Death oh, House has got like Robert Englund and a whole bunch of people that have played horror icons. Nice. Uh, Doug Bradley and um, and they're all together and they, they play a bunch of convicts that escape from prison. Okay. That could be good or bad. Holidays is like Tales of Halloween and Christmas Horror Story. It's, it's an anthology movie based on all the different holidays of the year. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, Kevin Smith does the Halloween one. Oh, cool. Uh, so that looks like fun. Man in the Dark is Fidi Alvarez's follow-up to Evil Dead. Oh, I really and, liked his Evil Dead. And it's about a couple of kids, some teenagers who break into a blind millionaire's house to rob from him and get the tables turned on them. Nice. Uh, Nina Forever's really good. F good. That's going straight to DVD over here. Uh, that's a really sexy film about like a bloke's girlfriend comes back for the dead whenever he's having sex with his new girlfriend and kind of joins in. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Limehouse Gollum is a British uh, gothic horror, but it's based on a Peter Aykroyd bestseller and it's um, written by Jane Goldman. So I think if oh, you cool. like the, the Woman in Black, it's, it'll be that kind of horror. It's got Alan Rickman, some really good actors in it. So there's loads of good horror and some of it's playing at Glasgow Fright Fest. And I recommend everyone go. They announced the films this week playing and awesome. you can buy your tickets. So, And you never know, we might be there as well. Maybe. Maybe. Watch this space. Okay, then just finally, a really quick one to end then from Daryl Sharp, who says, are you still planning on giving the podcast a new name for 2016? Um, we'd ha we, that's something we talked about is renaming the podcast, but we can't think of any good ones. So if you have any really good ideas for the, something we could rename this podcast to, Rory, off the top of your head? Devil's Candy. Nice. Yep. That's all right. It's one of the Although we movies. have just stolen that. Or The Boy. Called The Boy. <laughs> no. Let's call it The Limehouse Golem. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just looking at the new, like, microphone cup? The microphone uh, cup. Uh, go, uh, yeah. But yeah, if you have any ideas Punisher. for names that we can call the IGN UK podcast, let us know. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com as well. If you want to send us anything else to read out in the feedback yeah. as well. And we shall see you next week. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.